0: Welcome to Financial Frameworks, where the goal is to help you increase your financial decision-making skills, building on what you already know. The past 30-plus podcasts have focused on four main threads of financial concepts and tools. First, fundamental financial concepts, the most basic being comparing cost versus worth, or we talked about margin of safety. Secondly, current issues such as inflation, ESG investing, the role of the Federal Reserve, third, and most recently, differing detailed approaches to value investing, like Bruce Friedman at Columbia University, and the final thread being practical learning tips based on recent developments in the field of behavioral finance, the study of how people actually make financial decisions. We've talked about biases and assumptions in that vein. Based on feedback from listeners and conversations with former students, and also reflecting on what I think can be most valuable in the short listening format of a podcast, this and future podcasts will stick to two main themes as we explore building wealth. The themes are first, sharing applied learning tools for understanding and owning financial concepts you need. If you understand how you are thinking about things and how you are going to learn about them, you'll be much more powerful in your thinking process. Secondly, exploring value investing techniques and matching them to fit your approach to investing. I have two reasons for narrowing my focus. I know from experience that if you learn something successfully, it will stick. You will own it and you can then use it over and over and improve on it. So let's focus on that process using the content of value investing as the vehicle. We're using value investing as a vehicle because it's based on sound fundamentals. The concepts are applicable beyond investing in stocks. And even if you choose a different style of investing, such as momentum or uh, you track charts and, and you pay more attention to economic indicators than specific stocks, the information you learn here will still be useful. So we will use value investing as the vehicle for our learning. My second reason is that most of what I see on the Internet about investing focuses on results, focuses on specific stocks, market conditions, economic factors that affect companies, a lot about what future stock prices could be and how they will get there. However, I don't see a lot of material that dissects the process that leads up to the investment choice, material that illuminates understanding how to make decisions that incorporate your personal decision-making process in an investing 101 way. You know, very clear, not fancy statistical studies. It needs to incorporate financial analytical tools that you can use easily in your way of thinking, how you think about risk, how you like to do research, how you deal with conflicting information, and what are your intuitive or natural time frames? Uh, Are you long-term? Are you short-term? All these things are part of your decision-making process, and you need to understand them, or it's good if you understand them so that you can get better at it. I know from experience that knowing both things, the why and the how, produces better results. I also believe that those successful investors whom I've studied understand both of these things, the how-to of learning and the how-to of doing. That being said, I believe that there is a lot of really solid material out there on the internet, and I don't need to replicate it. This podcast and my blog at finframeworks.com doesn't need to replicate useful and solid investing material that a brokerage firm or a financial firm or an information firm like Bloomberg or Yahoo Finance or Value Line or MarketWatch has already built and they've built it well. Additionally, I will be pleased to refer you to general information and value investing websites like Guru Focus or Net, Net Hunter or the American Association of Individual Investors. I've done that in the past in podcasts and I'll do it in the future when the site provides quality information and insights and is consistent. But again, I don't see a lot out there about learning techniques that are clear and that you can quickly absorb and apply. So in this area, I believe I can and will contribute to your financial education. My approach is to tie underlying concepts with actions you can take to produce results, a good decision making process, and successful results that are consistent with your values. So today's podcast has four parts. Number one, tips on how to learn and absorb lecture type materials, such as a podcast. You can use these tips as you listen to the second part of the podcast. Secondly, I will outline a value investing process that is very basic, it's very clear, it reiterates a lot of what we've covered before, but it does it succinctly, and it covers all the bases. The third part is a problem that is relevant in today's market. I think that you will find it interesting to consider. And finally, I'll give you a summary of what's coming next. Okay, here are two active listening while you're learning tips. Let's start with how you retain conceptual information when you are listening. And this will focus on active listening, not just listening. This is a podcast, so you're learning from listening. These two tips are useful when you're listening to a speech or a lecture. In the next part of this podcast, I'll outline a process that contains five separate steps so you can try out these listening tips On that material, see if it works for you. The five steps that I'm presenting to you are pretty straightforward, but they're also fairly dense. They're packed with things that you can do and underlying concepts. The question is how will you remember the five steps after the podcast is over? Will you remember all of it? Will you remember some of it? Will you remember none of it? Uh, Will you have been focusing on other things? And most critically, will you remember things that you thought were important? What method do you have for sifting what you hear in a learning situation so that you know that you have captured what's most important and that you've used your time well? That is active listening or actively listening. Most people, when they're listening to a podcast, are engaged in other activities at the same time. In some ways, this is similar, but it's not the same as sitting in a classroom and listening to a lecture or being in a staff meeting and and making sure that you are following directions from a colleague or a superior. In those situations, you might be taking notes and you are not necessarily engaged in other activities. However, the listening process in all three settings, the podcast, the lecture hall, or the office setting should be the same for you. Your time is valuable so your attention should be focused either on your work or your studies or what you intend to get out of this podcast. In all three settings you are listening and providing enough attention so that you can discern what's important and retain what's most important. Active listening is not passive. It's not like watching television or being entertained in a movie where the material just sort of washes over you. So that's the description and the context. Now here's the Technique. When you are actively listening and are engaged in the process, most people are usually doing five or six different things, ranging from keeping up with the speaker, taking notes, relating the subject to what you already know, and trying to avoid distractions. I recommend that when you're actively listening, you concentrate on two things. As you're listening, you are assessing what is most important to you. Is this important? Is this important? You just ask the question over and over again. You're filtering and you're thinking while you're listening. Secondly, as you listen, try to paraphrase in your own words what the speaker has said. This is an excellent way to make the knowledge your own and helps to link it to what you already know. So as I mentioned earlier, there are other things going on while you are listening actively. You may be trying to keep up with the speed of the speaker. You may be thinking about something new that he or she has just said, and you're not sure that you understand it completely. And you're trying to figure out whether that is important or not. And, or there are distractions, there's noises. Someone leans over and uh, whispers something to you. So the point I'm making here is in most settings, there is a lot going on that can interfere with active listening. So you don't just sit there and say, okay, listening is easy. But this is work. You are addressing this in a way that is as focused as writing a paragraph of instructions for a colleague. That's why I'm suggesting that in order for you to learn about value investing in this podcast, you need to be aware and disciplined in. Your listening process. Sorting out important points rather than memorizing facts are very different processes. Maybe your listening calls for you to memorize the facts. Well, that's what you should be doing, and then going back and figuring out the important things later on. More often than not, in a podcast setting, figuring out what's most important is what really counts. So, what I will present to you shortly is a value investing content that contains a checklist or you can use it as a checklist and you can test whether these two listing tips work for you as you are listening to the checklist. You can ask yourself, am I getting what's most important and am I relating this material to my own experiences so that I can use it or actually own it? So the second tip that I suggested is paraphrasing. When you can and when it makes sense, you don't do this just for the sake of doing it, paraphrase what the speaker has said using terms that help you remember or that you know will cause you to remember the concept. For example, in these podcasts, I have used the term margin of safety often. A colleague whom I talk with about investing regularly never uses that term. When we're talking about potential investments, he uses the phrase cash rich, And it means the same thing to him as margin of safety to me. He can read a balance sheet as well as I can. He knows what to look for. He knows when nuances should be paid attention to. He looks at the time value of money. He's a a very smart person, but he never uses the term margin of safety. Somewhere along the line, he applied cash rich. He's read much of the same Graham and Buffett value investing materials that I have, So he's familiar with the term margin of safety and that in that world, it's sort of a sacred phrase, but he applies his own vocabulary because that makes the concept more useful to him. This may seem like a minor detail, but in holding on to important concepts and making knowledge useful to you, it's not minor. It's what makes it your own. Do this whenever you can. Okay, so here is the value investing material that you can now test your learning tips on and i think it is a good summary i have been describing value investing from different angles for about a year the summary incorporates a lot of that materials is very succinct and it's very complete so you can use it going forward it is a simplified five step value investing set of criteria that will help you identify companies and stocks that meet the criteria that are used by a number of successful value investors. The process that is outlined here can be expanded in much greater detail, including different ways to measure results, but it's a good basic process, touches all the value investing bases, and allows you or me to develop action steps that fit our particular investing styles and our individual goals. So here are the five steps that I suggest. Number one, start with what you know. If you work in construction, start with building companies. If you work in the hospitality industry, start with hotels, cruise lines, or something in your line of work. Do your research on things that you understand. Or, as Danielle Town does in her book, Invested, pick a company whose products are part of your daily routine and of whom you have a very high opinion. She used Whole Foods as her, the example in her book, And uh, she goes into it in great detail, and you can follow her thinking very clearly. It's a great book, and it's a great example. Number two, look for companies whose earnings are growing at a rate higher than 15%. I think that that is a good number. It's a good starting point, and you'll see why after you've done it. Number three, look at the company's balance sheet. You want more current assets on the balance sheet than total liabilities for the company there may be exceptions to that but that's where you start number four research how the company has performed compared to its competitors for at least the last two or three years again referring to the hospitality industry how do best western and ramada Inn compare for financial performance over the past couple of years number five Look for the company's durable, competitive advantage. This is what Warren Buffett calls a moat. For example, is a company, we'll use Apple as an example, successful because it would be extremely difficult for another company to get to Apple's size, or difficult to take Apple's customers away, or some other factor. Another example is Intel. Because of Intel's size and the amount of cash it generates, Intel can spend more On research and development than AMD or other competitors. That is a moat. It is a competitive advantage. And it doesn't have to be size. Those are just very easy to understand examples. Coca-Cola is the one that is used in a lot of business texts. So those are the five steps. As you have listened to these, have you applied active listening? Now here's the problem that I present to you. The markets are pretty choppy right now, and it looks like they will stay that way with the activities in Congress, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, inflation, what will the Federal Reserve do, and on and on. So let's say that you purchased some Apple stock. Let's say you bought 50 shares at the end of July for $196.45 per share, and you checked in last week let's say Tuesday, October 3rd, and you found the price to be $172.40, down $24.05 a share, or 12.2% in just two months. You are concerned and will apply the five value investing criteria that I just ticked off to decide whether to continue to hold the stock, sell it, or purchase more. This is a two-part question. Part one, As you're making the decision, consider what you heard and retained from my presentation of the five criteria. Which parts of that criteria seemed important, applying tip one from the active listening when learning part of the podcast, and are now available in your memory to use. Second part, in making your decision, which of the five criteria were most useful in deciding whether to hold, sell, or buy more? To wrap up the podcast, I hope I have set the stage for learning more about learning and for building a durable and flexible framework for value investing that integrates financial analytical tools with your decision-making style. Today, I focused on the work involved in active listening for retention of important concepts and the, the basics of value investing. The next podcast will provide additional learning tips, tips that provide Counterintuitive tools that require some discipline for successful learning, and in terms of value investing, techniques for finding undervalued stocks. As before, this podcast will be posted on https://finframeworks.com and on Podbean, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. On my website, I will list some reference materials including some of the underlying scientific work that what I've presented to you is based on. Thank you for listening. I hope that this has been helpful to you, and if it has, please mention it to a friend. I look forward to seeing you at my next podcast, Mike Lehan, Financial Framework.